0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are aiming to evaluate our thoughts, exercise our intuition, and challenge our rational thinking as we avoid getting swayed by the power of suggestion, instead standing our ground. How often do we take the time to question our thinking? Is that how I feel, or is that how they want me to feel? It all seems a bit blurry. Ideas and opinions, demands and ultimatums bombarding us into a state of confusion. We feel this intense sense of urgency, and because of that, we can find ourselves making rash decisions. You're either for it or against it. Come on, which is it? Exactly, can I ask? What is it? That pressure and the promise of a self-paced life journey are in complete contrast. Like two roads in the wood, which would you choose? A quote from Eric Fromm, Let your mind start a journey through a strange new world. Leave all thoughts of the world you knew before. Let your soul take you where you long to be. Close your eyes. Let your spirit start to soar. And you'll live as you've never lived before. Ready to let your own mind be the compass for your life? I've been in sales and marketing for over 30 years, so I'm well aware of the power of suggestion. It's my job to be persuasive and persistent. Persuasion recommending a product or service that would benefit this person and convincing them with logical and rational resources to take action. The persistent part comes by never giving up. But let's dive deeper into this idea of persuasion and how it relates to the power of suggestion. Every day, and quite possibly hourly, you're being sold Images, videos, commercials, taglines, slogans, arguments, offers, discounts, and the list can go on and on. Your mind is busy all day long making choices. You get up and make a choice on how to start your day, what to have for breakfast, and what to wear. At work, it feels like that's all you do all day long, managing your time, resources, meetings, coworkers, clients. All choices. You come home or head to your after-work extracurricular, time with friends, time with kids, time with your spouse, or other obligations, honeydews, projects, extra jobs, volunteerism, you name it. Choices. When do you get time to think, ponder, rationalize, evaluate, or consider? To get all that done in a single day requires rapid fire decisions, yes, no, and not a whole lot of room for maybe. So let's get back to that idea of persuasion, recommending a product or service that would benefit this person and convincing them with logical and rational resources to take action. Is that what's happening? Do you believe everyone intent on getting your attention and winning your action is recommending a product or service that would benefit you? Then do you feel like they're convincing you with logical and rational resources? Whoa, I see a pretty big discrepancy. How about you? Over at ExploringYourMind.com, I found more info on the power of suggestion. After reading a book, watching a movie, listening to the news, or talking about a tragic event, you're more likely to be afraid that it will happen to you. For example, if you think about a person whose house was broken into and robbed, you'll think that the likelihood of this happening to you is higher than you thought previously. If you watch a horror movie where the protagonist is followed by a red car driven by a murderer, How do you think you'll react when you see a red car behind you on the highway? This isn't imagination, pessimism, or exaggeration. It's something called suggestion. Sticking to the dictionary definition, we'll say that suggestion is a psychological process in which people are manipulated by a scene, an image, a word, or a situation. Let's look into this a little more deeply. The first time the term was used was in the 19th century, when researchers like William James used the word suggestion in a very restricted sense to refer to saying one idea to suggest another. And many great speakers took advantage of this. A few years later, thanks to teachers of hypnosis like Clark Leonard Hull, knowledge of suggestion broadened. The theory states that people follow patterns or instructions according to what they hear or see. So when you hear a tragic news story, you will probably think about it for a while and overestimate the likelihood of it happening to you. This technique not only serves to make you afraid or feel like you're in danger, but it also can be used to make you do or say something in particular. The mind is extraordinary. In a positive and negative way, and in many cases, it prevents us from acting the way we want. The power of suggestion contradicts the idea of free will. Let's explain this in a few examples. Number one, it makes us think we're more intelligent than we actually are. At the University of Washington, researchers gave a pill to a group of people and told them that it would improve their level of intelligence. In reality, It was a placebo, and it didn't increase any cognitive ability whatsoever. Nevertheless, the participants' state of alertness and attention increased, and they achieved better results on the tasks that the researchers gave them. Number two, it makes us sick. If you put someone in a room, release smoke from a novelty fog machine, and tell them that it's toxic gas, they'll probably gasp for air thinking they're going to die and experience the symptoms of someone who'd been poisoned. To use a less extreme example, after hearing about the Zika virus on the news, you'll feel frightened when you see a mosquito, and if it bites you, you might even develop a fever and joint pain as though the mosquito were really infected. Number three, it makes us work better the Hawthorne effect is one of the most well known effects related to the power of suggestion. It's based on the idea that when you're being observed, we act differently. As such, employees work harder and more effectively when they think their boss is watching. Experiments with security cameras that weren't actually functioning, but the people being watched didn't know, they concluded that if you think someone is watching, you'll do everything better. it changes our routine. The power of suggestion is so strong that it makes you change your habits. For example, after watching a news story about a group of robbers assaulting someone who arrived home after 10 at night, you might pressure yourself to get home by 9.30. Number five, it condemns innocent people. If before viewing a police lineup, you hear someone say, I'm sure that the robber had a beard, you're more likely to point out a person with a beard, even if you've never seen them before, or even if you were sure the robber was beardless just a minute ago. Suggestion alters your memory in such a way that you forget what you actually experienced. We don't mean that we're all strangers to making decisions or that there's a higher force that changes our opinions, but it's important to understand the role that suggestion plays in our daily lives— And how we can deal with it. Much of what you believe might just be a product of your imagination. When the internet first came out, you might have said, hey, you should Google your symptoms. Now that we're a little bit more aware, you might hear, whatever you do, don't Google your symptoms. Or, have you ever been sitting around talking and someone mentions pizza or something else tempting? Everyone talks about their favorite pizza toppings and the different crusts. And before you know it, you hear, now I need pizza. There's a reason the Coke commercials included the sweat of the can, the pop of the top, the fizzle of the liquid, and the ah of the consumer. Robert Evans Wilson Jr. gives the advertising perspective with how subtle suggestions can alter your behavior. The power of suggestion is very powerful indeed. If I say, don't think of a red apple, you're going to think of a red apple anyway, even if it's just the momentary flash of an image in your brain. And when our subconscious mind is exposed to a constantly repeated message, It's going to penetrate unless we're paying attention. Robert said, when I taught advertising classes, I introduced the concept of the power of suggestion to my students by sharing this description. Imagine you're holding a ripe, bright yellow lemon. Now, see yourself rolling it back and forth under your palm on a table to break up the pulp inside and loosen the juice. Next, cut the lemon in half and pick up one of the halves. Hold it upright. Bring it close to your face. Squeeze it. Feel the juice spray. Watch it pull up on the surface and smell the sour, lemony aroma. Now, lean in and slurp the juice into your mouth. Raise your hand if your mouth is watering. I'll bet your mouth is watering too, just from hearing that. When it comes to advertising, most of us are accustomed to seeing the power of suggestion in action. A sizzling steak with crisscross grill marks, a steaming pizza with bubbly cheese, or lobster, shrimp, and crab drizzling with hot butter, all popping up on our screens around dinner time in order to trigger our appetites. How else is the power of suggestion being used? Is it being used for good or bad? Most of us are familiar with the concept of placebos, which are usually sugar pills given to someone in a drug trial, who then gets better even though he or she did not receive real medicine. Placebos work because of the power of suggestion. Another concept, nocebo, is when someone who is given a placebo experiences the adverse reactions or side effects that are attributed to the real medicine. Robert said, I recently watched a documentary, Minefield, Season 2, Episode 6, The Power of Suggestion, that featured a feasibility study conducted by Samuel Visser, Assistant Professor of Psychiatry at McGill University in Montreal, and Jay Olson, who has a Ph.D. in psychiatry and is a professional magician, to determine if some childhood illnesses could be cured by the power of suggestion. The subjects of the study included a boy with chronic headaches, a girl with eczema who was compulsively picking at it and causing bleeding and scabbing, and a hyperactive boy with ADHD. They were put into a deactivated MRI scanner and told that the treatment would help them with their problems. After the treatments, all three children saw their symptoms go away. Robert said, I was fascinated by the study and especially how Olson used his expertise in magic to increase the credibility of the procedures to make them more believable to the subjects. So I reached out requesting an interview and Olson agreed. Robert said, I began by asking, how did your background as a magician lead to an interest in researching the power of suggestion? Olson replied, magic led me to psychology. Magicians don't know why magic tricks work. They know how to make them work. They know how to fool people. But they often don't know the mechanisms underlying the different tricks. What pulled me into psychology was studying some of these tricks. And then I started using magic and a kind of deception that magicians use as a method to enable other things in psychology, like new kinds of paradigms, and one of those paradigms we showed in the documentary, which we were making people feel like we were controlling their mind. He continued and said that they led to his asking this question, what if we could make people feel like they have more control over their symptoms. Robert then asked Olson to elaborate on this statement he made in the documentary. What we do with the MRI scanner is we stack so many different layers of deception in their head this is a proper neuroscience study done at the Neurological Institute, and that's why we wear lab coats, why we have all this scientific-looking equipment. By the time they actually started the study, their minds had already been made up on these different layers of credibility. They really believed that what we were doing was real. Now note, in the documentary, Visser qualifies this further by stating, the work we do with children actually does not involve lying. We tell them at first that everything that they see and that everything that we do in the lab is a suggestion. We explain to them that the suggestion is a way to tap into the power of their mind. And we keep emphasizing, even as they go into the scanner, that it is their mind and their brain that is doing the healing, that they are basically reprogramming their own brain. When Robert asked Olson, more, he elaborated by telling him about the Swiss cheese model of deception and how it's used in social psychological studies. He explained how it's a metaphor that many thin layers of imperfect protection can be more helpful than one thick layer, such as a big elaborate cover story. Each thin layer is fairly effective, but it has holes in it like the holes of a slice of Swiss cheese. If there was only one layer, then someone might see through the hole and recognize the deception. But if you stack thin layer on thin layer, it's less likely that the holes will line up, such that a person might see through the deception. The layers can be things like lab coats and stethoscopes, and different pieces of equipment showing brain scans. All of these little hints and cues increase the power of suggestion. He concluded, when you add up all these different small layers of deception, you end up planting assumption in people's heads, rather than making explicit statements. If we say we are credible neuroscience researchers, then people may question that. As this study demonstrates, people are influenced by authority figures, and we have many of them who figure prominently throughout our lives, starting with parents, then teachers, physicians, religious leaders, politicians, and even our peers. Hypnotists use the power of suggestion to help people change their behaviors. They begin by letting the subject relax. Once the subject is relaxed or in a trance, a state of semi-conscious between being asleep and awake, the hypnotist will make suggestions that will hopefully be accepted by the subject's subconscious mind. In his book, Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television, Jerry Mander cites that many experts consider television watching to be on par with hypnosis. This made me wonder how the constant negative stories presented by the news media might begin to stack up and increase the levels of fear felt by the viewing audience. When people are frightened or otherwise thrown off balance, they're more prone to suggestion. For example, after seeing a news report of a tragic event, such as a plane crash, some people will be more likely to have a fear of flying. People often overestimate the chances that it will also happen to them. Another example is when you hear on the news that it's flu season. That suggestion may give you an expectation of catching the flu, which might actually cause you to suffer flu-like symptoms. The media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent, and that's power, because they control the minds of the masses. That's a quote by Malcolm X. We watch television to relax and to be entertained. However, when we're not on our guard against the power of suggestion, we're vulnerable to it. Protect yourself by staying alert, or better yet, turn off the TV. What we need more of is animal videos. Give me adorable puppies and precious kittens. Why do you think we crave this type of entertainment? Because we pay attention to, oh, oh, ooh, ouch, no way. Out of these emotions, who doesn't want to feel happy and in awe? When so much of what we see in the news and through our social feeds seem hopeless and we feel helpless. Feeling deep despair and the inability to change circumstances. Is that really how we want to be informed? Is that motivating us to take action? What if we heard only the facts and then a strategy that we could apply to our lives and the lives of those around us? Today, one thing that could help make a difference. Would you tune in for one thing? Mark Grilly gives us a peek into the future with how the power of suggestion will change the way we use content found at thetilt.com. Remember when Amazon first started giving us product recommendations? Mark said, I'll always remember the first time I saw that now famous line, customers who bought this also bought this. It's no exaggeration to say that line changed my life for the better. Although it's now common to see similar recommendations on many sites and apps, the concept was revolutionary back in the early 2000s, and it blew me away. As an avid reader, I found myself unable to resist those recommendations, and I loaded up my shopping cart with books I ended up loving. I call this concept the power of suggestion. Psychologists often use this term to describe the power of our expectations to drive our experiences. Expect a painful visit to the dentist, for example, and you're setting yourself up for an uncomfortable experience. Anticipate winning a basketball game? On the other hand, and you're likely to train in ways that lead to success. Technology has evolved to use a different power of suggestion, intelligently analyzing our behavior and suggesting next best actions we might like to take. Just about all of us have found ourselves drawn into the vortex of Netflix recommendations, for instance, But what if these tools not only recommended movies and songs and books, but actively helped us become more effective at our jobs? Here's how the power of suggestion will become the next frontier in business software. Proactive personalization. In the realm of personal finance, many of us often feel reactive rather than proactive. We know what our salaries are when we can expect our paychecks to hit our bank accounts, and how much to budget for rent and food. When bills arrive, we pay them. This approach works well until something unexpected happens. A huge credit card bill lands in our inbox, for example, and suddenly we're scrambling back through our bank statements trying to figure out what went wrong. If you use an app that tracks your spending, however, you might get an early warning when your spending is higher than usual, giving you time to do some damage control. But in the near future, these alerts won't simply be binary. Your app will integrate and analyze a wealth of data from your bank account, your social media likes, and a range of other sources, which means it'll be able to alert you before you drop $500 on a designer jacket that you've been eyeing. In other words, the next few years of consumer experience will be defined by a shift from reactive alerts to proactive personalization. We're already seeing this shift in sectors like retail, where chains use in-store purchase patterns to generate personalized offers to customers. In the realm of media too, many of us now expect to wake up to automatically optimize driving routes and personalized music playlists. And yet, as we all know, consumer technology tends to be several years ahead of the tools we use in the workplace. Many of us still have to attach documents to emails in the office, even though we edit them in the cloud on our personal devices. And in the same way, we're still waiting for automated, personalized suggestions from our productivity software. But those new tools are now on the horizon. Recycling resources. Start with a simple concept. Say you get an email from me and you're looking for a conversation we had about the same topic a few years back. You can't find that conversation in your email archives, so now you're digging through your social media chats, presentations we've done together, and all kinds of other files. Worse, this whole search process depends on your own personal and failable system of file management. Imagine how much simpler it would be if you could just tap a mark button and all the interactions we've ever had on any platform popped up in a neat little list. Some customer relationship managers, CRMs, already do this as long as all the interactions have taken place within software that's hooked up to the CRM system. Those platforms can even recommend next actions in the sales pipeline and automatically add appointments to calendars provided they've been given a sales template to work with. But functionality like this is only the beginning of the power of suggestion. For example, imagine if instead of starting a PowerPoint presentation from scratch, you could leverage the best work that already exists within your company. Today, this task would require your company to create a huge index of everyone's work. In other words, it's nearly impossible. But with assets such as photography, the visual search paradigm is already making this old way of cataloging obsolete. The logical next step is for your work product to benefit from automatic recommendations based on similarities in content rather than just overall templates or style. The power of suggestion will even become a part of process as mundane as writing a request letter or a grant proposal. Working from a database of millions of similar documents, including statistics on their successes and failures, The software will be able to make recommendations as precise as swapping this phrase for that one will result in a 23% increase in the likelihood of success. Wow. The technology to do all these things exists right now in the consumer sphere. It's only a matter of time until it enters the business realm too. And when it does, we'll wonder how we ever had the patience to do so much blind, repetitive work. Instead of creating the same documents over and over again, we'll be able to recycle the documents we've already used, saving vast amounts of time and resources. Instead of starting with the question, how do I create this? We'll be asking, where can I find this? And instead of using guesses and instincts to guide our wording, we'll use statistical analysis that recommends the approaches that will most likely work. In all these ways, suggestion will become the most powerful tool in our arsenal. What if we start speaking life? I just want to throw that out there. What if we start speaking life and what we want to see instead of what we actually see? Today, I will feel powerful to do great things. When I'm faced with a challenge... I will take my time to react being mindful of all my options. I will breathe and choose kindness for myself and for others. Just like the power of suggestion can get you to want something you didn't know you wanted, it can also convince you to think things you didn't have an opinion about. The infamous water cooler. You know, the place everyone congregates to share ideas? More like opinions and mostly negative ones. Okay, if you don't have a water cooler, no fear. It's happening all around you. Negative talk, strong opinions, judgments, and positions. No one asking how you feel on a topic, but instead telling you how you should feel and then judging you harshly when you don't immediately feel that way. Campbell helps us with strategy on four ways the power of suggestion can change your life, found at psychologytoday.com. Ever had someone tell you that a dental or medical procedure will really hurt, that a test was really hard, or that a new boss is impossible to deal with, and then had those scenarios play out as predicted? Turns out those early suggestions probably shaped your reality. A deliberate suggestion can influence how well people remember things, how they respond to medical treatments, and even how well they perform and behave according to the research by Marianne Geary, Robert Michael, and Irving Kirsch. The reason, they say, is attributed to something called response expectancies. This means that the way we anticipate our response to a situation influences how we actually respond. In other words, once you expect something to happen, your behavior, thoughts, and reactions will actually contribute to making that expectation occur. If you think you'll ace an interview and expect it to go well, you're more likely to do a good job. If you think you'll win a race, you're more likely to train, prepare, and perform in a way that gives you a greater chance of victory. Using suggestion in this way can be a powerful tool in accomplishing our goals. But many of us get caught up on the other side, thinking only of our limitations. The power of suggestion is just as powerful in those situations actually sabotaging our success. Think you'll struggle at a new job? You'll likely feel more negative and create less favorable outcomes. Has it been suggested that no one in your family knows how to have a healthy marriage? You may unconsciously do things to sabotage your own relationship. When you expect to catch a cold because everyone else is getting it, you're more likely to be ill. In fact, research finds that the influence of suggestion and our expectation is so far reaching that scientists are now looking at how the power of suggestion and the expectancy can aid in healthcare, criminal investigations, policy decisions, and education. You can use the power of suggestion right now to create the experiences you desire in your own life. And here are four ways. Number one, tune in to the moment. This is good advice for just about anything, but as with so many things, awareness is required to help us identify the suggestions that are coming our way in the first place. If you're not aware of the messages you're sending or receiving from others, it's tough to counteract the negative suggestions you hear. So tune in to what's going on around you. Get more curious, and the suggestions that could influence you will be easier to spot. Then, you can give special attention to those that are more helpful or encouraging. Number two, create a network of support. Identify the people that believe in you and stay close to them. Psychologists have shown that we are influenced by both deliberate and non-deliberate suggestions. How people talk to us, their gestures, tones, and implications matter just as much as their words. Positive influence begets positive suggestions. Think about whom you spend your time with and make sure that they bring positive energy That alone will help to create more positive outcomes in your life. Think, too, about how your behavior is suggestive. When you're interacting with others, or especially when you're parenting, you're making non-deliberate suggestions with your body language, attitude, and attention. These subtle suggestions can build people up and inspire them, or tear them down, all without saying a word. Number three. Maintain a flexible mindset. When we're locked into a fixed mindset, we tend to take failure personally and see little opportunity for improvement. This is limiting. Better to remain open to any outcome, and when suggestions or influences come into your life, consider those that take you closer to your goals. With flexible thinking, you continue to learn, grow, improve, and draw things into your life that will influence your progress. Number four, understand that the power of suggestion is always working. If you expect something to happen, if someone or something suggests to you a specific outcome, your expectations of that outcome play a major role in its occurrence. The expectation or suggestion alone often unconsciously changes your behavior and your response to help bring into reality the outcome you're expecting. Knowing all this, don't expect anything less than the best. Olivia Pinnell leaves us feeling empowered with the power of mastering your own mind found at chandaland.com. It's all too easy to be triggered into anxiety or anger these days, and the phone alone is a major culprit. You might be stopped at a light listening to your favorite music when you receive a frantic email from a dissatisfied client or boss, or a text from a disgruntled partner, which can throw you into an emotional tailspin. Add this to a slew of other stressors, like fighting traffic, paying bills, and child-rearing, and it can be difficult to keep your cool when an unforeseen stressful event occurs. To do so, you have to remain in control over your thoughts. How you mentally frame a particular situation can dramatically impact your emotional response to it. But maintaining control is far easier said than done. Rather than feeling in control of our minds, we often feel they're controlling us or to use a popular phrase, we react instead of respond. Mindfulness, one of the biggest buzzwords of the 21st century, can help us master our own mind, be it just a little bit at a time. This can help reduce our stress and improve emotional regulation and self-control, ultimately improving our relationships and quality of life in general. Our thoughts impact our physical sensations which is why mindfulness is key to empowerment in the real world, says Ted DeMaison, mindfulness teacher at Stanford University's Continuing Studies program and author of Playful Mindfulness. What we envision in our minds will manifest itself in reality. Mindfulness meditation involves focusing on your breath or other physical sensations, including your chattering mind. When the mind wanders off, which it's bound to do, you simply redirect it back to your breath. The goal is to discipline your mind so that you can direct your attention towards the present moment, to be in the here and now. By doing so, you avoid getting stuck in delusional, distorted, and negative thinking patterns, which will help you avoid anxiety, anger, and depression, and also lead you to be kinder and more compassionate towards others. Mindfulness meditation involves slowing down and focusing your mind and your breath or other physical sensations. In the last 50 years, mindfulness has become popular among scientists, psychologists, neuroscientists, and psychiatrists for its ability to strengthen mental health as multiple studies have documented its physical and mental health benefits. A 2007 study from the researchers at the University of Toronto and the University of Minnesota evaluated participants engaged in mindfulness practice and their response to emotionally upsetting pictures. They found that mindfulness helped participants disengage from the pictures and focus instead on other cognitive tasks. What many people notice after beginning a mindfulness practice is that much of their stress is thought driven. Among those thoughts are self-limiting stories and judgments that make people feel stuck over a lifetime. This explains Jared Featherstone, a certified mindfulness meditation teacher through the Center of Kuru Mindfulness, a researcher and a professor of writing at James Madison University. One of the best ways to empower ourselves is to be self-possessed, to have control over ourselves. Mindfulness creates some space between you and those defeating thoughts so that you can no longer be ruled by them. With this freedom, you can change habits and start a new way of being. The insight piece of a mindfulness practice involves really tuning in to self-defeating thoughts and belief systems to be hyper-aware of what it is you're thinking and feeling in any given moment. Even a simple thought of, I hate getting up early for work, is a thought of resistance, one that pits you against reality. Most likely, you'll have to go to work early no matter if you like it or not, so reinforcing the fact that you hate doing it over and over increases your resistance to it and results in your suffering. Mindfulness gives us a bit of space between a situation and your reaction, it buys you time before you spiral down into a vortex of unhelpful thoughts, which will then influence your emotions and potentially your speech and behavior. When mindfulness is learned and practiced well, we come to identifying our body sensations and emotional tugs, the stories and assumptions we make up almost instantly, and the kind of puppet-string reactivity that usually drives our decision-making. When we put a mindful pause in between the world's stimuli and our reactions, a breath, a moment's noticing, a step back, we loosen that drive to reactivity and instead make space for a wider range of possible responses. Harvard-affiliated researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital published a study that found that participating in an eight-week mindfulness meditation program was associated with changes in brain regions involving in learning and memory, emotional regulation, self-referential processing, and perspective taking. An ongoing mindfulness practice, meaning ongoing mindfulness meditation, can ultimately help rewire your brain to be more thoughtful and controlled and less reactive. This is made possible because our brains are changeable. The best way to start applying mindfulness is to simply begin a short practice of meditation. There are scores of resources out there to help you, including free guided meditations on YouTube, Spotify, and through apps like Calm, Headspace, 10% Happier, and the Insight Timer. Even if you don't have access to these, all you have to do is start. Close your eyes and return to your body by focusing your mind on your breath. It really is that simple. You don't have to go on an expensive Buddhist retreat out in the mountains to begin or even attend a meditation session, although those those can be pretty cool too. The best way to practice mindfulness is daily, non-stressful situations. Perhaps the most important thing to remember is that you can't make a mistake. Mindfulness isn't about blame and judgment, whether we're talking about your meditation practice, your thoughts, or even your actions. It's more about taking note objectively of what's going on. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, let your mind be the compass for your journey. Take the time to evaluate how you feel and when needed, choose to research what's important to make your decision. When you assert your authority, you are in control. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone drew until their path was clear. That's when I